Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is going on up in the sky above us. So, you know, this morning, every night when I go to bed, I look out my window because I leave the drapes open so that Binksy can sit in my window and look outside all night. Uh, I've been seeing Jupiter, and I can I can see her just by laying down in my bed. She's or he. He's right there. And then just a little further off, um, a little further to the southwest is the planet Saturn. Well, this morning I got up and I went outside because I wanted to check the weather. And oh, by the way, it's chilly. Um, I could still see Jupiter. So take a look at the morning sky. Take a look at the evening sky because Jupiter is kind of hanging around for many hours in the night sky. And in fact, at first I was like, that can't be Venus. Is that Venus? And I got my little star map out and no, Venus was just rising with the sun. And that was Jupiter. So very bright, bright enough that I could see it in, well, the early morning light. It wasn't like bright, sunshiny light yet. Um, and then the clouds came in. So by the time I went and said to Terry, oh, guess what? Jupiter's out in the front yard. Uh, he went out and the fog had started to roll in. He couldn't see it. Boo. But he saw my star map and knew it was there. So definitely take some time. Look up at the sky. It's gorgeous right now at this time of the year. You know, there's a little bit of a, a crispness to the uh, skies, assuming you're not, you know, covered in fog or smoke or anything like that. So be sure to look. Uh, this is Friday, Friday, so we are going to take a look ahead at the weekend. Um, however, the weekend is not all that important. <laughs> of course, it's important. Right? It's important because we have to live through it, but it's not like there's any big things that are happening that we need to be aware of, except that we will talk about Venus moving into Virgo and the only other thing is today, literally, we have a, a Mercury in an opposition to Jupiter. So pretty much that's it. So we get to play in some other way this morning. And I got sort of inspired yesterday to start talking about incarnation crosses in your human design. And incarnation cross is also called the activation sequence in your gene keys. So this morning, I'm going to focus more on the incarnation cross end of things. So you might want to have your personal human design chart with you. If you have it, if you don't have it close by, go get it. And here's more instruction. I have been very remiss in asking you all to please thumbs up the video if you are on YouTube. Um, to like the video if you are watching this on Facebook. And it it seems really stupid that we have to do these kinds of things as, you know, broadcasters or as, uh, you know, business owners, but it's the way that our videos get noticed. It's the way that we get new subscribers or that we get new uh, followers in terms of whatever social media that is. So by you going in and hitting the thumbs up and or liking the video, um, then it somehow gets me more noticed, right? I don't know. I don't, I just play the game. I don't necessarily like the game. However, that's the game. So if you have not yet done so, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Living Astrology. And there's a little tiny bell right next to the, once you subscribe that you can click on for notifications. And according to Tom, if you click on that, notifications, you can um, tell it to tell you all notifications about when I come on air. Otherwise, it's my, it might be hit and miss. All right. So do that for me, please. I will also bring that up again. Thank you very much, Tom, for keeping me on track here today to bring that out a little bit later. So good morning to the people checking in already, Tom, of course. Uh, awesome, Tanya. It's good to see you. And I will answer your email still. I just did not get to it yesterday. Uh, let's see. How is Friday already? And a long weekend too. Ugh, coming from a stay-at-home mom where's children, oh, whose children just finally went back to school. And now they're out for three days, right? Um, Tom, I can see he's sizzling this morning with some music. Uh, my music this morning was 
do a little dance, make a little love, get down tonight, right? That's what Terry wanted to listen to. Pam Zaruba, good morning to you and happy September. Debbie Tibbetts Jumio, good morning. She says, yes, Jupiter is bright. Natasha, hello to you and Christine Buckingham. It's good to see you out there. And uh, we have uh, an interesting show to talk about. I'm going to do some astrology because I can't avoid that. Um, but I have a couple of different chart examples of things to talk about in terms of the incarnation cross. Now, for those of you who have your charts out, I just want to show you right now where that is. And then I'm going to transition back to astrology and then we'll come back to the incarnation crosses. So on your uh, human design chart, I pulled up Johnny Depp's here, right? Johnny Depp. He's got an interesting chart. And now I can see looking at his sun and earth, I can see why it was that he and Amber Heard ended up in a power struggle over money because he has the money line. Woo! That whole thing. This this right here is the money line, right? From 45 all the way to 21. 21, the gate of control. 45, the gate of I earned it, I get to spend it. Kind of, I'm paraphrasing here. So anyway, in your chart, if you look toward the bottom of the chart, you'll see right over here your incarnation cross. And uh, it's in the section called profile. I got to go backwards here. So in the profile, you'll see an incarnation cross. His is called the right angle cross of rulership. And then there's a little, it's the second expression of it. So for all of you, that is kind of where it is that you would find your, the name of your incarnation cross. Be very aware that the names mean really nothing, right? Nothing. Um, the right angle cross of rulership for him literally means nothing except to say that it's what they were named, right? So don't get caught up in it, but it will give you an idea of the gate numbers because just before the name of the cross, you'll see it says, come on, come in, come in, stop being blurry. Uh, there you go. So it says 4526 and 2540 or, uh, okay, fine, 2247. So those are the gate numbers of your incarnation cross. Right next to that is the name of the cross. But again, don't take the name seriously. In a little bit, we're going to talk about what all of that means and how it is that you can come to understand yourself more deeply using that incarnation cross. So uh, any questions really quickly about where to find that? Good morning, JLo. It's good to have you with us. And I am going to go ahead and uh, launch on into where the moon is right now. The moon is in Scorpio. I checked it this morning at seven and it was at 25 degrees of Scorpio. And that means it is moving into the void pretty soon here as uh, the next sign, Sagittarius, will be coming up later in the day today. So the moon is in Scorpio now, and then we are looking at a void, of course, moon from 10.22 a.m. West Coast time, so 1.22 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast of the U.S., uh, to 3.40 in the afternoon, 6.40 in the afternoon for those of you on the East Coast. So when we have a void, of course, moon, it means that the moon is on her own, right? She is on her own through those hours. There are no new contacts she will make with any planets. And it's the other planets with the moon that support some kind of action or some kind of timing to do something. So consequently, when the moon is in the void, it's not a good time for us to start out and do something. We might feel a little bit lazy or hazy or foggy, like we don't know quite what we want to do or where to go. Um, so it is good to know that during those hours, it wouldn't necessarily be a good time to have an important meeting, right? If you could look ahead at your chart, when you, if you're the one that has to schedule a meeting, um, and you need to have all your facilities, all your faculties with you, um, then you want to look for the void of course moon, because that can make it so that nothing much comes of the meeting, or that nothing much comes from the project or the interaction. So it's just another thing for us to be able to be aware of in 
uh, managing our day-to-day lifestyles and our day-to-day work, if you will, and uh, much better suited to resting, reading a book, hanging out, making, you know, just conversation with people in general, whoever happens to be in your face at the moment. Um, but not necessarily some place that you would want to go for forward motion. So we have that void for most of the day. Interesting as for us, at least here in the USA, it is the gateway to a three-day holiday weekend. Uh, I know my husband's business is shutting down at two o'clock this afternoon. So that's right in the void. Likely the day is just going to be kind of a wandering thing, right? it's probably not going to be filled with a lot of customers and so forth for them anyway. So that's why they close down early. And then as we move into later this afternoon, when the void breaks at 3.40 West Coast, 6.40 p.m. East Coast, the moon will be moving into the sign of Sagittarius, changing up the energies, of course, for the weekend. And in fact, uh, she stays in the sign of Sagittarius until late Sunday. I forgot this is a three-day weekend, duh. So Monday, uh, we also have to take this into consideration. The moon will move Sunday night into Capricorn. Monday, the holiday will also be with the moon in Capricorn, which kind of makes me think that a lot of people might be trying to do catch-up work, right? Uh, things that they need to do in order to prepare for the next week. Teachers getting you know the last things done before their students really come back for the full-on school year. I know schools here started this week, but literally they started before a holiday the big work starts afterwards right so there could be a lot of that i know uh, it might be a day to just organize and get things done but the rest of the weekend saturday and sunday with the moon in sagittarius it's much more about having fun exploring adventure and so forth but let's take a look real quickly at the sun, or excuse me, the moon in Scorpio, because that's where it is the rest of this day. And even though it moves into the void, the moon is hanging us with that Scorpio energy all the way through the void. Does that make sense? Right? If that makes sense, let me know. So, uh, ah, 11-11. Thank you, J-Lo. Uh, that makes it 8-11 my time, but uh, it's... Yeah. Anyway, thank you. It's still like there, right, for our uh, us to pay attention to. Um, so when we are talking about a void, of course, moon, it is a time where we are still in the energy of the moon in that sign. So we're still going to be hanging out with Scorpio energy. But rather than being able to take action on any of those Scorpionic energies, It'll be likely something that we're just kind of spinning our wheels with over the course of the next several hours. Now, what does that mean? So we have in Scorpio, the light, the high side, the, the, the highest expression is deep intuition, deep knowingness, almost even prophetic awareness of uh, information coming from the unseen realm. Uh, we have depth. If this is a sign of depth, this is not some superficial little, you know, surface only sign Scorpio goes deep right it takes us to the depth of passion to commitment to change or transformation so it's really taking us into a deeper place within us and how that affects us as we um, you know start those changes or those transformations out in our world it is a sign that in its highest is about our gaining more and more self-awareness and from that self-awareness heading towards self-mastery and then of course power power is a big theme in scorpio so we're taking those themes that we just discussed intuition passion commitment transformation change uh, self-awareness self-mastery and power and we're sitting with it right for literally let's see 10 to 3 that's what five hours, right? Five hours we're sitting with it, but really not being able to do anything new with it. So you can see sometimes there could be a little bit of a frustration when the moon goes into the void, especially for us who are trying to push our way into something to make something happen. That is definitely not going to be the preferred um, way to behave, right? It's be best to just sit, contemplate maybe, uh, reimagine maybe, but definitely not try to take action. Uh, 
Now the shadow energy of uh, Scorpio can also be sitting with us for those five hours while she's in the void. That is brooding energy, kind of the more dour, stern, vengeful, um, grievance-oriented uh, kind of energies, controlling energies, where we can't let go of something, right? We can't let go of people or hurts or wounds or uh, grievances or experiences we're holding on to tightly. And we can also get into a paranoia state or fearfulness, right? Fear getting triggered. And then we sit in that for the five hours that the moon is in the void. Rather than it just being a passing fancy or a passing experience, we can sit in it. We can brood. So be watchful for those tendencies. It's not a foregone conclusion that you will behave that way. But be aware, right, that those things can sit with us for a while. And um, being aware is half the battle, right? Scorpio wants to become self-aware. Their interest is in mastering the self. And part of mastery of the self is in finding one's passion and becoming committed to that passion and then transforming the life to be in alignment with that passion. So that's something that we are all working with. And melancholy and uh, sadness can be a sort of part of that. Uh, because what you're saying is, uh, and this is um, Christine Buckingham, that you have the Scorpio moon in the seventh house. So if you are experiencing some kind of melancholy or sadness, it could be about uh, around the relationships you have in your life or the lack of relationships in your life, perhaps. So it's just a call for you to become more passionate and committed to things that are important and things that you can actually um, work through. And, you know, Scorpio is a very creative sign. It it's a water sign. And our water signs do have that tendency for melancholia or that sadness or that brooding sort of, of feeling because it's part of the creative cycle. The creative cycle is part inward where we're working through um, maybe imagination or uh, maybe we're working through a problem, but we haven't yet found the creative solution. And then the other part is the expression outward where we've now got the expression of that creativity. So it's partly in the womb and then it's partly in the outer world. So we go back and forth with creativity. So those water energies, Pisces, Cancer, and Scorpio do have that tendency to go into that lower wave frequency, that lower wave emotional energy, while there's something cooking kind of thing, right? Cook some creativity cooking in the oven there. And then that shifts and moves more outward for the expression of that creativity as time goes on. Um, good morning to Corey and Erica Dorsey. Hello. It's good to see you. And uh, the, the next sign that the, the moon will move into, Sagittarius, has a completely different energy about it. So we notice a shift, although it's going to be later in the evening um, uh, for those of you on the East Coast. Well, 640, you're still awake and, and, and you know, active. I have a football game to go to tonight at that time myself. And um, Sagittarian energy is much more optimistic. Now we're taking... Now, what we might have is that creative energy moving out of the more quiet, uh, internalized Scorpio creative energy to the more Sagittarius expression in the outer world energy, outer world. So we're going to, we have to have the outer world expression. Um, there's optimism here. There is definitely that explorer, adventurer, let's try new things kind of energy that pops in that broader vision, right? Being able to see the bigger picture, um, you know, maybe even elevating, seeing from a higher perspective. There's a straightforwardness and honesty about the energy with the moon uh, in Sagittarius. There's ethics. I always forget this one, ethics. You know, uh, if we are talking about a sign that is going to point us to integrity and ethics, one of them would have to be Sagittarius. And there's also the truth centered part, right? This is honesty and that straightforward path to truth. And there is a skill that Sagittarius has to sort of stitch together many truths to see the bigger picture, 
right? So it is a sign of the many truths, not necessarily one truth, but they are on the hunt always. And they're very good at it too, in discerning truth from falseness. And of course, this is a sign of friendliness, outgoingness more than say the uh, sign of Scorpio. So the moon changes personality as she changes signs. But Sagittarius, like every sign, also has a shadow expression. In the shadow, Sagittarian energy can be very dominating and dominant. It's fire, right? So it's it's out there. It's like large and in charge. Who, you know, doesn't have healthy respect for fire, right? If you don't, you're going to get burned. So dominating energy is more of the shadow energy, though. Um, it can be impulsiveness and impulsive speech in particular, where bluntness in their honesty and in their truth, um, it can come out in a way that is not necessarily nice or tactful or diplomatic. It can be very blunt. So that's mostly a negative aspect because sometimes it's insert foot in mouth, right? You say something and then you're like immediately going, God, why did I say that? Or why did I say it that way? So we want to watch our speech, watch what we say, because we're going to be around a lot of people perhaps during this weekend, right? There's also self-righteousness involved here. This is a tricky one because Sagittarius in the shadow can take their truth and hoist up a flag on it, right? And determine that it's the truth, the only truth, and that, it, you know, I'm the one that has the truth, you don't. And so their self-righteousness becomes a shadow energy where they fail to see the tapestry of truths out there and only stake the claim on their truth, which may or may not be truth, right? It's truth according to them, and that's okay. But you can't claim the truth according to you as the overall truth and hoist a flag there, right? So be careful around that. Um, and that is linked with the other shadow here of being opinionated, you know, speaking on opinions, not necessarily facts. And then dishonesty can also come in, you know, if they're feeling like they aren't able to get people involved in the truth, according to them, they may even become dishonest in the way that they portray something so that you are able to manipulate people into your truth. So it becomes a manipulation tactic. So the shadows of Sagittarius are not so nice, but the light of Sagittarius is very wonderful. So questions about any of that. Um, by the way, the moon tomorrow will make connections with Mars in an opposition, right? Because the Sag Sagittarius is a, a sign opposing Gemini. And as she moves into the early degrees of uh, Sagittarius, she will come into that opposition with Mars. So we, you know, Mars is action and Mars is in Gemini. That is about ideas and the expression of ideas. It is about possibilities and communication, but also can feed into insert in foot in mouth syndrome. <laughs> so <laughs> being careful, watching out for that as well. That opposition is bringing, you know, two different things into play. Uh, she will also square the sun tomorrow. And that brings us to the first crisis point in our intention setting at the new moon. So the new moon was last Saturday, right? And the new moon is the time of the cycle of the moon where we can set intentions or we have a new beginning. And we have the power of the moon's cycle with us in that, right? And then one week later, we get to the first quarter moon. And the first quarter moon is really depicted as a square. So in astrology, it's the square. And this is become this one becomes the crisis of uh, consciousness. So we have to shift. We, 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 we come to realize there's something that we need to shift within us in order to move forward. So remember when, oh, let's see, was it on Monday, Wednesday, Wednesday, when we were talking with Tam and we started to talk about the deselection process and the selection process, like if you're setting an intention, immediately what happens is some kind of dissonance begins as we start to uncheck the things or deselect the things that are not in alignment with that intention but yet we haven't quite moved all the way into the full-on selection process. Well, the moon coming to the first quarter is really about that 
scritchy feeling as we're having to deselect, you know, and there's this discomfort because we're so used to being in our comfort zones <laughs> that we need to move over into a new energy. So the first quarter moon brings up this little bit of a crisis where I might have to shift something in my thinking. I might have to shift something even in my speaking, my mindset, so that I can come into more full alignment with the actual intention that I set. So we have that coming as well with the moon on Saturday. And then on Sunday, the moon is in, even though she's getting ready to transition later in the day, transitioning into Capricorn, there's really only a 12 minute void of course moon. So it's really not even worth bringing up and, you know, talking about it so short, but know that we all, we will transition Sunday evening, um, 7.03 PM my time. So 10.03 PM, you guys won't even notice it hardly. It'll be at the end of Sunday, but then Monday will full on be the moon in Capricorn. Um, as well on Sunday, we have the shift from Venus in Leo to Venus in uh, Virgo. And it was interesting this morning. Remember, I was telling you, I looked at my star map because I saw Jupiter out in my front door and uh, I was just confirming it was Jupiter that I was seeing. And I happened to scan the sky because I wanted to see like, well, where's Venus then? Why can't I see her? Well, she's very close to the horizon, low to the eastern horizon in the morning. Um, so she's in this sort of the glare of the sun. You, you can see her earlier if you're out there earlier before the sun's glare actually breaks the horizon. But I noticed that she was conjuncting the star system or star regulus, which is in the heart of the lion. So when it's a royal star, right? Regulus is considered one of the royal stars. And it portends some form of, of success, right? That, that we have the ability to uh, have tapped into some kind of stream of consciousness that leads us into success. And so I was surprised I didn't think about it. But of course, she was sitting at 29. She is sitting today. Let's see. She should be at about 29 degrees Leo. Uh, she's at 2645 an hour ago when I printed this up. So she's moving ever closer to that 29 degree mark of Leo, which is where Regulus sits. So we are then with Venus sitting in a position now where we might start to see the benefits of some of the things, the changes, the intentions, the things we've wanted to manifest uh, over the course of the last um, few weeks that she's been in Leo. Now, when we look at Venus in Virgo, we shift from the more imaginative, artistic, self-expressive, creative energies of Leo. Thinking about imagination is something that goes on in our heads or in our minds, right? And we shift her into Virgo, which is an earth sign that wants action or practical applications the steps, right? What are the steps that you're going to take? And I love how this sort of backs up because this comes in on Sunday after the square of the moon to the sun. So we're, we're kind of backing up. And of course, the sun is in Virgo, right? So we with the Venus moving into Virgo is kind of backing up the need that we have to take steps now, right? It's not enough to have just set the intention. What are you going to do? right? It, it, something has to shift in the actions that we take and the choices that we make in order for that new intention to take hold. So for example, you say your intention is to create a new relationship, but you have not even been dating anybody or you've not even you know been out in the dating world, then what steps do you need to take in order for that to happen, right? You can't just sit in your house. It isn't going to work that way. So the universe will present you or you will be presented with opportunities to take new action, right? So Venus in Virgo backing up the sun's energy to take new action, right? Doing something new. That way we are setting the stage for the actual um, success of our intentions of what it is that we've decided we want to manifest in our life. Same thing goes if you if you had a health 
challenge kind of of intention. Maybe you wanted to, you know, get a healthier routine. But if you don't start a healthier routine and you reach for that ice cream in the freezer, the minute that you get stressed, um, that's probably not supporting the intention that you set. So it's all about the choices that you're going to make, right? What are you going to do about it? And Venus in Virgo wants the action steps. So let's look at these two pieces because Venus is one piece of this and Virgo is the other. We have Venus in rulership of money, right? So money, but more than that, finances in general, the bigger picture, the economy, right? Interesting this morning, a jobs report came out. I thought that was pretty good because it looked good, at least for Washington state. I'm not sure if that was federal numbers or state numbers, but they looked good. I don't know if that's positive for the economy or not, but it looked good. <laughs> um, that might make the stock market feel better, right? Inflation pressures maybe go down. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but I know that Venus rules money and she also rules our self-worth right? Our worthiness to receive. The, the worthiness to make choices that are in alignment with what you desire, right? If you never choose anything new, you're going to stay stuck in the same place. If you want to see new results, you have to make new choices. And that's what intentions are all about, right? We look at our life and we go, gee, I could really use a new car. And my intention is to save up the money for a down payment because within the next six months, I want to buy a new car. And if that's the case, if I keep spending money or hemorrhaging money all in these other places, that's not going to support my intention. So I have to choose again. I have to choose something different, right? Um, so being worthy to have the things that you want in your life, right? Being worthy of receiving being worthy of taking the steps, right? You can do this. And then that aligns you with your value and your values, right? All of these things come through Venus, as well as relationship things, right? She rules relationships, although that's more of a Libra expression of herself. The Taurus aspect of herself is more about the money and values uh, piece. So when we're looking at overall Venus, these are the areas of life where they're going to move into Virgo territory. And Virgo is really about work, service, and health, making healthy choices, right? Purifying our lives in some way, practical as, uh, application of the steps that are going to take us where we want to go, reorganizing perhaps. Uh, when we are looking at the path of service with Virgo, what we're looking at is how you share your gifts and your talents with the world. So for the next few weeks, at least through the end, I think it's the 29th. Yes, it is the 29th of September when Virgo give, Venus uh, moves into Libra. So we have these next three or four weeks of Venus and Virgo where we can really start to get organized uh, about how it is we're going to take our next steps. Okay, so everybody has Virgo in their chart. So Venus is moving into Virgo somewhere in your chart, right? So that area of your life is where you might need to see yourself through moving from imagination into practical application of something, right? So for example, if that's your uh, sixth house by chance, Virgo on the sixth house would be the rulership of the sign. Um, you might have to actually make an action plan um, uh, goals written out maybe on your refrigerator. If you're looking at healthy eating habits, um, if you're trying to create a healthy spending, you might actually have to do a budget, right? If you're looking at maybe creating a, a new way to express your gifts in the world, then you might actually have to have an action plan, <laughs> a vision statement even. So that's what the energy of Venus will be bringing us in certain key areas of life that she rules. We are going to be doing them in Virgo, uh, ways, demonstrating action through practical means over these next few weeks. Uh, good morning, Heather Scott. Good to see you too. Uh, so questions about any of that? If so, let me know. Um, one of the things that I, I like to really think about with Venus in Virgo is that purifying aspect, like where what things might we be able to remove from our environment, in a purifying sort of way, like maybe reducing the amount of stuff you have around you, 
uh, reducing the amount of, you know, foods that you eat. I mean, think about how can you purify your actions, your motivations, your environment, your body, um, your yard, those kinds of things, right? And then take practical steps toward that Venus supporting that for us. So uh, I'm now going to transition over to human design and begin to talk about the incarnation crosses, which are of huge importance in the chart, but often get sort of left out of the conversation. And that's because there's a really good reason, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. But I want to say again, it is time to get your human design chart out for this conversation. So if you have access to it, great. Now, I see that our numbers are suddenly getting a lot higher here. So when I first announced this morning, the please, oh, please, if you are on YouTube, please hit the thumbs up button if you're enjoying this video. If you have not yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, please do that. You can do that. There's a little subscribe button on YouTube just under the video. And more so, you can also hit the little bell, which will allow you to receive notifications of when it is that I'm coming on or when a new video has been posted. If you're watching me from Facebook this morning, please like the video. It's not a thumbs up. It's like or love. Um, make a comment, right? Comment even if you are on YouTube or on Facebook, make a comment because these things, I don't necessarily like to play this game, but I have to play the games that these companies lay out, right? It moves the video up in rankings, if you will, so that more people see it, right? And get to hear, uh, you know, get to change. We change the world. The more people hear about astrology and human design and how they can be empowered to make changes in their lives. So please do that for me. I see you know, there's 18 people viewing live right now and four hearts or thumbs up. So we can do better, right? Please, please, please. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Tom and JLo. You two are always so good at reminding me of that. Blessings to you for that reminder. Good morning, Elisa. Christine Buckingham says she has the right angle cross of rulership as well. So are really, so you're a, you're a Johnny Depp or are you just parroting what I said about Johnny Depp? No, because I see your numbers are reversed from his. So you're another iteration of the right angle cross of rulership. So there are a couple of things we need to talk about. First of all, what in the heck is an incarnation cross, right? And why do I care, right? Well, the incarnation cross in your human design is literally the plot or the storyline you are designed to live out in this lifetime. So I'm being careful about the words I'm choosing here because it can often be construed as a life purpose or a destiny, but it is not a destiny. There's not fate attached to your incarnation cross. Literally, this is how you are designed to live out the highest expression of you in this lifetime, right? And it goes along with your type and your strategy. So if you don't know your type and strategy and you're not living out your type and strategy, your incarnation cross means li relatively little. You're not even going to see the impact, perhaps, that that's having on your life. But once you understand your type and your strategy and you begin to live that, so type and strategy means you're a projector or a manifester or a generator, manifesting generator or reflector. And each one of those types has a strategy that goes along with it in which they enter into world or enter into life in um, a way that supports you, right? So if you're a generator, for example, or a manifesting generator, although manifesting generator is a little more complex, your strategy is to wait to respond to opportunities that come up in the outer world. If you plus if you're a manifesting generator, you have to be able to inform people before you take action. And all the while you're reprocessing and envisioning things that will keep you from jumping impulsively and impatiently into action before you have something in the outer world to respond to. If you're a projector, you're waiting for, um, it, it's similar to response, but it's not necessarily something in the outer world that you can pin your hopes on. It is an invitation. And an invitation is, you know, like 
somebody looks at you across the room and you're like, oh, I've made eye contact with this person. I might be being invited into a conversation. I'm going to make my way around the room and find out about this person. An invitation could literally be, I invite you to fill in the blank, right? So invitations for projectors are their strategy. They're waiting for that invitation, whether it's something like, you know, the, the conversation that you overhear that draws you in uh, or people in your outer world that catch your eye or a situation that catches your attention or literally somebody invites you says, here, I need your help. Help me do this. Right. Um, and then for our manifestors, you're pure creative individuals, you're pure creator energy, which means you are initiators, right? You start the ball rolling with things. That is your part of your strategy is to start things, not necessarily to finish them, but you start them. And your strategy to be able to do that correctly is to inform the people who will be affected by what you do before you do it. Right. So if you're going to make a change in your life or if you're going to, you know, start off in a new direction, anybody who would be affected by that, you need to let them know before you do it. Right. You're not asking permission. You're just saying, hey, I'm going to be on vacation next week. I'm letting you know I won't be here to answer your questions or I won't be there to get your emails. I will respond when I come home kind of thing. Right. If you are a reflector, your strategy, especially for the big things in life, is to wait a full cycle of the moon. And while you're waiting for that, you are finding out from other people what they think about what your your idea is or about what you want to do. You're sort of bouncing off. You're using people in your life as soundboards to what would be correct for you. And as well, different planetary energies throughout the month, the moon in particular, um, highlighting various parts of your chart. So your strategy is much slower if you are a reflector. But once you have your strategy in, that is attached to your type down, then you can start to work on the incarnation cross. Now, your profile also has something to do with how you are in, um, how, how you are living out your life expression. So the type, let's say, is the role you're playing. So if we think about and a lot of human design uh, teachers will talk about the same thing. Um, life is a sort of a play, right? If we have a play, the type is going to be from your, uh, your type is going to be your role. Your role is that of a manifesting generator or a generator or a reflector, projector, manifester, right? Um, your profile, which is the first listing there before you see your incarnation cross, is the personality of the role that you are going to be leading. So let's say if your role in this play is that of a teacher, right? Then the, uh, the line or the profile, which we call lines, uh, is going to be the personality of you as a teacher, right? It might be your personality as a, uh, a science teacher. You might be very factual oriented, or maybe you're an art teacher and it's all about the creative expression, right? So the profile is giving the personality of the type that you are. Now, for example, uh, if you are a projector, I'm trying to think, let's use Johnny Depp's chart since I pulled his chart this morning. Johnny Depp is a manifester, right? He is a manifester. A manifester's type, is, or that's the type he is. So that's the role he is here to be, an initiator, right? The role of the manifester is an initiator. And his strategy is to inform others before he takes action, right? And his actual profile is the hermit opportunist. So the uh, personality he has is someone who hides for a while and you don't see him very much, right? He's behind the scenes, he's doing his own thing. And then the next part you see him, he's out everywhere, right? You see him, you hear about him and or his uh, personality of his type is that of we hear from him and then we don't hear from him. We hear from him and then we don't hear from him back and forth, right? He's always ma managing the more internalized, introverted aspects of himself versus the more externalized, extroverted parts of himself. 
So he's playing a dual role here. And by the way, there is a conundrum built into that, right? Because while you're closeted away or withdrawn or in the hermit uh, state, you're often wondering like, well, where did all my social engagements go? Where did all the people go, right? And then while you're out with the social scene or you're you know, involved in the outer life, you're going, oh, wait, when's my time to get back to my, you know, my cozy little hideaway place? <laughs> so he's got a conundrum built into his chart where part of the time he's hidden, part of the time he's out in the world, right? So, and we see that in the way that he shows up uh, as an actor, even in the world, even maybe some of the roles that he takes on. I'd have to think more about that. Um, so, so he, his type, the manifester is an initiator. And sometimes we see him out there initiating, you know, new roles. And other times we don't hear much from him. And in your own chart, that's kind of how you're going to see yourself as well. Your type is the role, the bigger picture of who it is that you are here to be. And then the personality of who you're here to be from the um, profile lines. Now, these are all ways in which you fulfill your life path or your storyline of your life. Please tell me that makes sense to you. Am I, am I confusing you guys or am I not? No, there is not, Tom. He asked me if there's a human design relocation chart. No, there isn't because it just, I haven't found out why exactly, except that every time you relocate a human design chart, it comes back with the same thing. Because remember, the planets don't change degrees. They change house relationship. And houses aren't a part of the human design. That's why. Uh, Natasha, personal incarnation of penetration, right angle of personal destiny. I have a deep knowledge that I am to walk, to, to be my soul's walk. I'm not sure what you meant there, but I think you meant walk your soul's talk walk your talk kind of thing. Um, and Christine says it all makes sense. Awesome. So I'm glad that's making sense because now I want to transition to the incarnation crosses because they're so fascinating. There's like 700 crosses, right? There's, and that's why it's hard to, uh, when you see a book or something on the incarnation crosses, there is only one that I know of for sure. Um, that is uh, one that I, I wouldn't recommend anybody read because it's so obtruse it's or obtuse it's I read mine about 20 times and I still don't have any clearer picture of my incarnation cross through that reading than I did than I do now just from having to sit with it and go oh okay now I see how this plays out in my life so the IC or the incarnation cross is secondary to type and strategy you, it, it won't do you a darn bit of good to know anything about your incarnation cross if you don't really understand your type and your strategy, the basics, basically, <laughs> of your human design. Um, and it won't emerge in your life as even possible until you're living out your type and your strategy, which I just want to say a lot of times when I do an, a, a human design reading with people, and I tell them what their type and their strategy is, they go, man, that is how I used to live my life all the time. And then I got out of that habit, right? So it's a good possibility that you were already living out your type and strategy, but you just didn't know that that's what you were doing. And then the conditioning of the world pulled you away from that, right? Pulled you into a different expression. So type and strategy, very important the incarnation cross further defines then the plot line or the storyline of the life that you personally are here to lead. And when you're really living in, a in alignment with your type and strategy, you will find yourself in the right place at the right time with the right people that advance that storyline. Okay. So what is the incarnation cross made up of? So now I'm going to show you a graphic and then I'll show you Johnny Depp's chart again. Um, so hold on one minute here. I need to open up um, a graphic and then I'll come back and share my screen. Oh, I always forget I can share slides, uh, but no, I don't want to share slides. I want to share my desktop. Wait, this is different. Hmm. Oh, 
because I was trying to share a video file that I don't have. <laughs> uh, okay, is it this one? Yes, it is this one. Okay, so now what you guys are seeing, let me make it just a little bigger because it seems to be a little bit small. Here we go. So this is an incarnation cross as seen through the Genetic Matrix app. And it is a depiction of both the body graph. So here's the body graph in the center and the gates of the sun and earth uh, by both the soul purpose or black column of numbers and the life purpose, which are the red column of numbers. So what we see here is an incarnation cross. This is actually um, the incarnation cross of contagion, which tells us nothing about this cross, right? Literally tells us contagion. Like, do I want to think of myself as like a virus or a germ or something like that? Not really. Uh, so that's why I say don't pay so much of attention to the actual name of the cross, pay attention to the gates that are a part of the cross or that the cross makes up. So what we see, if you look at it like this in the mandala man, uh, manifestation, you see the gate of the sun is at the gate 29. Here it is over here as part of the mandala. The opposite is where the earth is, right? The sun and earth are always opposing one another. And the earth then would be at the gate 30 in this incarnation cross. And then this would be what we would say is the soul purpose. This would be the black numbers in this particular chart. And then we would also have then the life purpose side, the red side, and that is the 814. So we have the earth at the gate or at the sun, excuse me, the life purpose sun at the gate eight and the 14. And you can see by the geometry here, that they are a they, it forms a cross in this case it's kind of an x you know if we moved it around it could become a, a real true cross uh but it can be in any you know of these opposing places so the incarnation cross itself is called that because the gates in your human design form a cross in the mandala okay and that's because the sun and earth on both columns are in opposition to one another I hope that makes sense, right? So I'm going to stop sharing my screen here. And um, okay, now I'm going to share a different screen. Let's see if I can do that. I think I can. I think I can. Uh, a Microsoft Edge tab. Ooh, it's not a tab. It's a window. Here we go. The browser can't access your screen. Try capturing a different screen. Oh my God. Okay, well, that's all right. So let's see if maybe I, if I do it that way, I mean, sometimes you just have to think fast on your feet when you're doing these shows. I tell you, there we go. Now, now it will share. I just have to click on it. So now we're looking at Johnny Depp's chart and I chose Johnny Depp just because, right. He's been in the news a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, and he's actually kind of disappeared at the moment. I haven't heard word one uh, other than just bits and peeps about it, right? So maybe he's in his withdrawn state at the moment. But I wanted to show you where the incarnation cross shows up. So here is the sun. In the, the column, if you get a printed chart, it's not going to say soul purpose and life purpose. That's something I tell you when I'm doing your reading. I tell you that I want you to think of the black column the personality column as the soul's purpose. So the soul purpose, sun and earth are these first two gates. In his chart, the sun, his soul purpose, sun is at the gate 45 and his earth is at the gate 26. So here his soul purpose, sun and earth make up one half of his incarnation cross. The other half is over here in the design column, which in your own reading, I would tell you to now rename as your life purpose, sun and earth. And they are at the gate 22 and 47. So we have the other half of the cross. So without, you know, really going to the name, well, the name of his cross was what, wasn't it? The, yeah, the right angle cross of rulership, making it sound like, you know, he's some kind of king person, um, then you get like preconceived notions about what that means. And really it leaves out a good part of the equation. It leaves out his actual expression 
of that purpose in his life. So trying to go by the names doesn't do much. In fact, I did hear that Karen Curry Parker uh, was going to write a book kind of rewriting the incarnation crosses. And I know that is going to be a big undertaking because of the sheer number of combinations, because, you know, this can have a combination that's flipped, right? 45 and 26 can be over here on the life purpose side and 22, 47 can be over here. Then we can also flip it vertically where it becomes 2645 and 4722. So we have these other iterations of this cross. So for every you know gate, you have all of these different uh, ways in which it can be combined with other gates in an incarnation cross. So the important thing about it is not to just know what the name of the cross is, but to understand the sun and the earth in your chart. And I also want to show you that the profile, right, when you see that when you go down to the very bottom of the chart, you see profile and it's going to give you a number. In Johnny Depp's, it's the 2-4, which is called a hermit opportunist in traditional human design. And that, again, doesn't give you much information either. You have to understand, well, what is the nature of the two? What is the nature of the four? What is the nature of the hermit? And what is the nature of the opportunist? And here's where that comes from. It comes from these little elevated numbers here, the two, the sun and the earth on the sole purpose column, and the four from the life purpose, sun and earth in that column. That is your profile. That profile, remember, again, is the personality of the role, i.e. your type and your strategy that you're here to live out. When you bring those things together, it defines the storyline or the plot line, which by the way, is not set in stone, right? You can certainly bring out this life purpose, soul purpose in any number of ways, right? Johnny Depp, there's nothing here that says he would have had to be this by being an actor, right? He could have been a teacher, right? This 4526 energy sometimes is a good teaching energy. He could have been a writer, right? This energy over here, the 4722 is sometimes really good at, at bringing in information and organizing it and writing it, right? Or uh, presenting it. So he could have been a screenwriter. He could have been a, uh, a just a, a plain writer, a book author. He could have been any number of things, right? It's not so much the what you do. It is the storyline that goes along with it. All right. Now that's about all I'm going to have time to talk about here, but guess what I'm doing? I, um, he's performing in concerts overseas and selling his paintings. Oh, yes, that's right. He did have that. So he's got these other roles in which he can show his gifts and talents, right? That's, um, and he's living up to his own self, right? He might start something like being an artist, but then a, a role comes along for him to be an actor in something. He might have to put that on the shelf and go over to being the actor and go back and forth with different opportunities throughout his career. So that's how he would play that out. Now, there's so much more we could talk about, right? Because there's 64 gates and very much different combinations of those gates that can create a storyline to your personal uh, to add to your personal expression of your life, uh, of your purpose and so forth. So we can't necessarily get into the details of that. But I also want to elevate this to the next piece, which would be the gene keys aspect of this, where the incarnation cross is the activation sequence. So instead of bringing out human design training, which I've been, I, I don't know why I've been just dragging my feet on that one. And I think I know now why, because yesterday I went, I want to teach people about their incarnation crosses. And I want to take it from not only the human design aspect, but I want to take it deeper. I want to go into the deeper contemplation of it through the gene keys. And so I will be offering a sort of uh, coaching self-study uh, combo or hybrid uh, in October for, and we're going to actually start it in September. I'm going to run a, a webinar to start it with that will 
allow you to take your personal incarnation cross deeper and also to understand the bigger picture of it through coaching calls with me, group coaching calls, but also maybe an individual contact with me. So be thinking about that. If that's something that you want to participate in, that will be coming up. Uh, also, just FYI, I will likely not be with you on Monday morning. Our, I have family coming in and we'll probably have lots of different things that we're doing. So I may not be here in my house to actually be able to do that. Uh, I will be with you then next Friday. And uh, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, one last reminder to please thumbs up, heart, a love, like the video this morning, share it with your friends. If you've not yet subscribed to my YouTube channel, please do that. And also then hit the little bell if you want to be notified about when I come online or when there are new videos to watch. Thank you all so much for joining me this morning. I know you probably have questions about your own incarnation crosses. More to come on that subject. Bye for now.